You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hello, Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Brain, how do you feel about the Miami Dolphins having a five-game winning streak? Look, I, I keep waiting for for it to go wrong, but at some point you just got to say, these guys are pretty good. This is a really solid football team. I, I said it on Twitter, and I, I'm just going to go with it for the rest of the season. Hashtag, we are good. Because we are. This is a good football team and I think they've I mean they're not like a great football team they're not a knock them dead football team but with the talent that is on this roster and the coaching job that Brian Flores is doing this is an above average NFL football team this is it's it's fun to watch them and they're they're playing well and you get the feeling that this is a team on the cusp of greatness and I you know I was thinking about this Brent it's kind of an exciting time to be a South Florida sports fan if you think about it right because so obviously you've got the Miami Heat who went to the NBA finals this year um, you have the Miami Dolphins who are really starting to put things together and Tua is the, the franchise quarterback we've been waiting for and early signs are that it's, it's going to go pretty well. He seems to be doing a pretty good job for the Dolphins thus far. Um, the Panthers, the Marlins made the playoffs this season and they just hired the first female GM in Major League Baseball history. It's an exciting time to be a fan of South Florida professional sports teams. So, And I think Inter-Miami made the playoffs as well. That's right. Inter-Miami is in the um, MLS playoffs. And so it's, you know, look, it's an, it's, an, it's, an, it's it is an exciting time to be a fan of South Florida sports. And quite frankly, you know, we're here to talk about the Dolphins, so that's what we're going to talk about. But the Dolphins got a 29-21 to victory over the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday, moving their record to 6-3, and thanks to a last-second Hail Mary uh, from Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins. The Buffalo Bills lost to the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday, which means the Dolphins are a half game out 
of first place in the AFC East. And if the Dolphins should beat the Denver Broncos on Sunday, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves here when we'll talk about that game later this week. But if the Dolphins should beat the Broncos, who may or may not have their starting quarterback available in that game, uh, your Miami Dolphins will be 7-3 and three, tied with the Buffalo Bills with six games to go and essentially controlling their own destiny in the AFC East. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. A long way to go in this season, but it's an exciting time, like I said, to be talking about the Miami Dolphins. And so we're going to talk about our general thoughts of this game, uh, impressions, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of that, as we always do here on the same old Dolphin show. But before we do that, a reminder, as always, if you have not done so already, head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the same old Dolphin show. And we invite you to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review. It helps other people find the show. So we hope that you will do that. We're also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere that you can find podcasts. So we invite you, please subscribe to the show. Tell your friends about us too. Additionally, we are on social media. We are on Twitter. I am at Amplified to Rock. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. And he is at Aaron the Brain. That's at A-A-Ron the Brain. So uh, make sure that you are following all of us on Twitter and make sure that you go over to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Dolphins. Give us a follow over there as well. And finally, make sure you are heading over to the YouTube channel. That's the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel so that you can get every episode of the Same Old Dolphins show in video form over there at YouTube. And again, like I said, make sure you subscribe to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. Lots of new and exciting content coming your way on that channel. And of course, make sure you're visiting DolphinsTalk.com each and every day for all of your latest Miami Dolphins news and information. It is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. Brain, let's get into this football game here. Um, we'll get into the good, bad, and the ugly in, in, in just a moment, but let's start by just talking about some of the sort of general takeaways from this game, because I, I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about this this game from the Dolphins' perspective is that they just sort of took what the, the Chargers gave them, and they ran with it, and they made that work for them, and, and they used it to... I don't want to say they cruised to victory, but as far as one score victories go, which is what this was, it was a relatively stress-free afternoon. There were times where the Chargers were really, you know, there was a, a moment there in the second half where it really felt like maybe the Chargers were going were gonna to hop into this thing and sort of take control where they, it was a sequence of time where they were starting to make some plays. But for the most part, this was a game that was pretty comfortable from a Dolphin perspective. So uh, anyway, what, what were your general thoughts on this one, Bryn? To me, this was a close game that the Dolphins took control of because at the end of the day, the Dolphins made the big plays when they had the opportunity to make them. And when the Chargers had opportunities to make the big plays... They failed to make them. So let's talk about that. I'm talking about the blocked punt that sets up the Dolphins' uh, first touchdown. I'm talking about, uh, on the Dolphins' second touchdown drive, a 13-play, 88-yard drive. Before the Dolphins, uh, 
you know, this was right around the time they just got across midfield. Tua throws a pass into double coverage to Mike Gesicki. The ball gets knocked up in the air. The ball should absolutely be intercepted. The Chargers defensive back unable to come up with it. The result, the Dolphins end up with a field goal attempt to put three points on the board and make it a 10-0 game. They make it a 10-0 game. The Chargers jump off sides. We take the three points off the board. We end up scoring a touchdown. That's a drive that goes from the Dolphins should have scored, should have scored nothing to the Dolphins should have scored three to the Dolphins all of a sudden scored seven. That's a huge swing in this game. Let's move on to the second half of the game. Uh, in really a big spot in this game where you were just talking about in the third quarter where the Chargers are starting to seize momentum. The Dolphins are up 17-7 going into the half, have the ball coming out of halftime, a real opportunity to seize control of this game, and they go three and out. The Chargers drive right down the field and score a touchdown. Now all of a sudden it's a 17-14 game. The Dolphins... Get, get a little something going. I think they get a good kick return from Jakeem Grant. They hit a couple of plays. Tua makes a pass. This is the second time that he throws a ball that should absolutely be intercepted. It goes right through the hands of a linebacker and ends up in the hands of Mike Gesicki for a big catch. The Dolphins aren't able to get much else going on that drive, so they still end up with a field goal. Uh, so now they're up 20-14, to 14, and now the Chargers are driving at the end of the third quarter and into the fourth quarter, and this is the time in the game where I feel, and I feel most Dolphins feel, this game, the control of this game has slipped away. The Chargers right now have all of the momentum. They are the better team at this point in the game. And then something happens. Jason Strobridge comes up with a tackle for a loss. Emmanuel Ogba gets a huge sack. And then on third and long, X gets a big-time interception to set up another Dolphins score. Those three plays and the Dolphins' ability to seize control of the game because they needed a big play and they made the big plays when the opportunity was there, was there. That is the difference between a 6-3 and three Dolphins team and a 2-7 and seven Chargers team. That is literally the difference. And, and, and some will say, you know, I know we were talking about it before the game and you said, Hey, it's a coaching thing. And look, that's probably a big part of it. Um, but I think it's, you know, to a certain degree, it's a culture thing. It is. I know that word gets thrown around a lot in all sports, especially in the NFL. Um, and it, it seems to be one of these things where when you're winning games, it's just assumed that you have a good culture. And when you're losing games, it seems that you have a bad culture. But what you're seeing with this Dolphins team, and I thought this game was a really prime example of it, is this is who this team is. They're going to thrive on being opportunistic. They're going to win games on the strength of their defense and their special teams. And their offense is going to do just enough and not beat themselves. Now, I do think that in those two plays that I talked about, uh, where Tua 
probably should have thrown interceptions. Uh, I think the Dolphins got lucky. And then look, if, if he, if those two plays end up being interceptions, you're combining that with the terrible fumble by, by, uh, by Ted Karras. And you're saying, well, this was a terrible game. Um, the, the, that's the difference in this game. And that's the difference, quite frankly, in most games in the, in the National Football League is, do you make the big mistake or do you not make the big mistake? And when the other team makes the big mistake, do you take advantage? And that is such a huge thing in the National Football League. So many games are won on the margins and it's th- just those little things that that's what, that's oftentimes the difference between a team that is, uh, six and three, like the Miami Dolphins and a team that is two and seven, like the Los Angeles Chargers. It's a matter of sometimes just making those little plays and they can completely swing momentum. There was, there was the, as you mentioned, there's the, the, the fumble, the bad snap that totally swung momentum of this game when it seemed like the Dolphins were ready to, to put the thing away and, and really step on the Chargers throat. And then after that fumble, that big turnover by the Dolphins, things were sort of going the Chargers way for a while. And then as they were about to sneak into the game, Xavier Howard steps up with this huge game-changing interception. The Dolphins convert that five plays later into a touchdown. And from there, they sort of just took the air out of the Chargers. Chargers go three and out and then four and out on the next two possessions. So, I mean, it, it really is about taking advantage of another team's mistakes. And when you can do that, you're putting yourself in a position to win. When you can't do that, you're not putting yourself in a position to win. And that is what the Dolphins have done well is putting themselves in position to win games by taking advantages, taking advantage of mistakes that the other team made. So uh, a very, a very positive development here. And as you said, the Dolphins are sort of developing a culture now of, of winning. And I think a lot of that probably has to do with the sort of infusion of some of these New England, former New England Patriots players, uh, you know, Landon Roberts, Kyle Van Noy, Brian Flores. There's, there's, there are people on this team and in this organization now that understand what it is to win football games. And the Dolphins are now, it's translating on the field for the Miami Dolphins. Let's get into the good, bad, and the ugly of this game, Brain, because I think, well, I mean, there's just plenty of positives to talk about, and we're going to start with uh, what I think is the biggest thing, which is the defense, which I thought they've just played very, very well in this game. And while they certainly did let the Chargers back, and, and late in the game, they, there was a little bit of a classic sort of Don Shula prevent defense late that allowed the Chargers to go down the field and score a touchdown on a late touchdown drive, the defense largely did a, a pretty bang up job here, holding the Chargers to four of thirteen on third downs, only giving up two hundred and seventy three yards total on the day. Uh, I, I thought they played well. They did enough to keep Justin Herbert unbalanced. Whether it was bringing uh, you know heavy pressure or or dropping guys back into coverage and making him forcing him to make a big throw, I thought the Dolphins did just a really great job of keeping. The, the Chargers unbalanced. And, uh, you know, I, there's, I guess, one area where I, I wish they could have done better. And I, and I think you're going to talk about that in a little bit. But largely overall, I would have to say that this was another pretty good performance from the Dolphins defense, Brain. 
Yeah, I I think that the Dolphins defense absolutely and and sorry if I I kind of missed the la- the last part of what you were saying. A, an ad started playing on my computer and and it was really loud. So if you asked me a question, I didn't hear it. But I, I thought didn't, that the Dolph- so that's the good news. Okay, good. I, thank you. Were you asking me aside from the defense, what was the good? Was well, the- I was. I mean, I was really sort of talking about the defense wanted you to talk about them a little bit um but I think let's do it this way let's talk about the defense in conjunction with the special teams because I have a feeling that you were going to talk about them as uh, another aspect of this game that was a real positive for the Dolphins right and that's my good is the special teams and I'm going to get into that but I do want to just say I just again uh you know I mentioned it before but to your point as far as the defense those three plays at a time where the Dolphins needed it most because the offense was sputtering and the Chargers had gained momentum and the defense did not do a good job uh, in response to the Dolphins coming out into the third quarter and having a three and out to let the Chargers drive right down the field. And then the, you know, the Chargers again, were putting together a drive prior to those three plays. And it seemed like, you know, this Dolphins defense for as good as they played, it was like they'd give up a, like eight yards on first down. And so the Chargers would have like this difficult time getting second and two and third and two, but they'd ultimately just barely get enough just to move the sticks. And then they'd get eight yards on first down again. And it was just, they were setting themselves up really well to have these down and distance. And that's where the tackle for a loss by Jason Strobridge, I thought was a huge play. And then for that to be followed up by Emmanuel Ogba. And I mean, this, this part is what's really the most encouraging because when your team in general, whatever side of the ball it is, when your team needs a play, you look to your Pro Bowl players. And this season, more so than anybody, the two players that have been absolutely without question Pro Bowl players have been Emmanuel Ogba and Xavier Howard. And your two Pro Bowl players come up back to back with the two biggest plays of the game from the defense. Um, so yeah, definitely kudos to them. Uh, just a great job in general by them. Uh, but, but my good is the special teams because first off, anytime you get a block punt that gives you the ball on the one yard line and sets up a touchdown, that's a huge play. I mean, that's, you're going to win most games where you have a block punt. You're going to win most games when you get a special team score. And I, I know technically that doesn't go in the books as a special team score, but when you, when you block a punt and you recover the ball on the opposing one yard line and then you run it in one play later, that's a session, essentially a special team score. So that was a huge play, but also Jakeem Grant, uh, you know, good Jakeem is back, baby. Yeah. I mean, he has turned back into the best return man in the National Football League. Three punt returns for 57 yards. That's a 19-yard average on punt returns. And it's not like that's just one long one. He had a 20-yarder 
I mean, they were all like that. All three returns were right around. I believe he had like a 20-yarder, a 19-yarder, and an 18-yarder. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Or, so you know, something to that effect. Uh, it was just three really good punt returns each time, giving the Dolphins really good field position. Matt Hawk was again doing his thing. Two punts for a 52-yard average, pinning one inside the 20. And Jason Sanders, look. He missed a field goal, but he also drilled a 50-yarder. He made three out of four, and when he missed the field goal, he came back with a 47-yarder, similar range, right around the same spot in the field where he had missed the previous one. And you, I think, you know, if you're anything like me, you think, look, when a kicker is on a really good groove the way Jason Sanders has been on, and then he misses one, you wonder, okay, it's been a long time since he's missed one. How's he going to respond? He gets a 47-yarder, and he drills it right down the middle and you're with about 10 yards to spare. And you're like, all right, it's good. He's still a machine. You know, even even machines every now and then, uh, you know, screw up. Uh, so... Uh, the special teams, the Dolphin special teams unit continues to be elite. It is the best special teams unit in the National Football League right now. Yeah, they're, and, they, and they're making game-changing plays. You know, both the defense and the special teams are making game-changing plays. And that's sort of what's allowing the Dolphins to compete because in these games and win these games. Because, this, listen, this is not some great offense. The Dolphins don't have this wonderful, amazing, unstoppable offense. Their offense is very much a work in progress. Um, and and it's lacking a lot of big name skill players and and you know their top tier. I mean, listen, Savan Ahmed, their running back, was making his second career NFL start or playing in his second career NFL game. And and a special shout out to him: twenty one carries, eighty five yards, a touchdown. He also added a reception for five yards. I mean, this was a a very another very good showing from Ahmed. He looks good. He looks like he's got um, the ability to hit the hole quickly and and make a play Uh, he's not like you know he doesn't look like some incredible dynamic running back but he is he is certainly making plays and and he's you you know this there is this sort of saying in in the NFL that you know running backs are kind of a dime a dozen and there's like you know a handful a small handful of elite elite sort of game changing type of running backs but after that you have a large chunk of running backs that are all more or less the same and that's how you get you know a guy like uh James Robinson with uh Jacksonville who was i think third or fourth or fifth on their on their uh depth chart who because of circumstances, became the starting running back for them. And he was able to jump in and boom, he hit the ground literally running and, you know, has made a name for himself. And that's what sort of Savan Ahmed is doing right now. And, you know, great. That's good. You you need to have the skills, but it's like, and maybe we'll have this conversation as we get a little bit closer to the draft because we know that the Dolphins are looking to sort of upgrade at that position. But how high do they need to take a running back? I don't know. But that's a conversation for another day. At any rate... Um, some good positives in this game as far as Tua is concerned. Wasn't great, uh, but he wasn't bad. It was just sort of a very sort of workmanlike 
performance from Tua. He finished 15 of 25 for 169 yards, a pair of touchdowns, no interceptions, although you you can certainly argue that there were a couple of passes that he threw in this game that should have been, and you maybe saw some of that, um, you know, some of that, those rookie mistakes. We, we I sort of previewed this and I thought said I thought we might see some kind of rookie mistakes from Tua today. Luckily, they weren't taken advantage of, but they were certainly there to be had. And so, you know, Tua's coming along, but he's he's doing all that the Dolphins need him to do right now, which which is fine. And that's a perfect situation for him as he develops as a quarterback. Jingle balls to the walls, fellas. Listen up. Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut-free, and smelling nice down there. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 includes their Lawnmower 3.0 electric trimmer with advanced skin-safe technology. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. The Perfect Package 3.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, Crop Reviver ball spray toner, Magic Mat disposable shaving mats, and a pair of high-performance anti-chafing boxers that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day. And you can keep all of your Manscaped products in the Shed Travel Bag. Tis the season to Manscaped. So get yourself, your dad, your brother, and friends the best gift of all. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DOLPHINSTALK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code DOLPHINSTALK. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. Your balls will thank you. Moving to the bad, having covered the good, the the trick is there's not a lot of bad to talk about because I think this was largely a pretty good performance from the Miami Dolphins. But if I had to pick a bad, the one that I'm going to share with you is one that we, we found out about an hour and a half before the game, which is that Jordan Howard, for the fourth time in five games, was inactive. And fast forward to Monday, as we are recording this on Monday evening, Jordan Howard has been released. Supposedly the team and uh, Jordan Howard have reached a mutual agreement to part ways, but it clearly wasn't working out with this guy. Uh, My prediction that he was going to be the 2020 comeback player of the year for the Miami Dolphins was a terrible one. As it turns out, it was a, a, you know, talk about a freezing cold take. That one was ice cold. That's like in the back of the freezer with layers of that, you know, ice built up on top of it. It was just a terrible, terrible take, but uh, that that's my bad. J- J- Jordan Howard just was not ever able to get it going, and when it does, it, you know, as we mentioned last week, it looked like he was running with a piano on his back, and uh, you know, it just wasn't going to work out, and it just did not work out for Jordan Howard. So he has gone his merry way, and the Dolphins are going their way, and you know, that's it. Just sort of that's the end of that story, and. That's okay because I think the Dolphins signed him to a pretty small deal. It, they're not going to be, it wasn't a long term deal. I think it was just a one year thing. So it's not like they're out a whole lot 
because of it. So it's it's not a bad situation. And clearly the Dolphins have them have, you know, they're covered at running back for the rest of the season. And I do expect them to upgrade at the position in the offseason. So really not the end of the world to lose Jordan Howard. And quite frankly, this is, I think, something that had been coming for quite some time. Um, but Brain, other than that, not a whole lot of bad to speak of. So what, what, I mean, what do you want to say? Pre-snap penalties? There were a lot yeah, of false starts in this game. That we really had to, to reach. We had to dig in here to, to find some bad. Yeah. Uh, because while there wasn't a whole lot of great, there really wasn't a whole lot of bad. It was just, you know, it was a very solid performance by the Dolphins. It wasn't a flashy performance where there was all these great, you know, plays and great games by by different players but but nobody played poorly uh and so we had to really think about it and I think that's what we came up with was the pre-snap penalties this was something that we didn't really see a lot of the first half of the season and uh a couple of times it really bit Miami um because you you get into those down and distance, and the other thing that we could have gone with was uh, the third downs being 5 for 14. Well, this kind of goes hand in hand with it, because when you get those pre-snap penalties and you end up in a second and long or a third and long, it becomes much more difficult to pick up their first downs. We were talking about that sequence in the, in the third quarter where the Chargers started to gain momentum. One of the biggest you know, reasons for in that sequence. One of the biggest plays in that sequence was that the Dolphins lined up for a third and four and had a false start on Devontae Parker. I mean, it's always bad when your wide receiver has a false start, but on a third and four, it's really bad because third and four, you go from third and manageable to third and long. You end up throwing an incomplete pass and you kick the ball back to the Chargers. That was really feeding into that momentum that the Chargers had at that point. So I would say, look, while this was a very solid game for Miami and they won it, you do have to take into consideration the opponent because there were opportunities in this game for the Chargers to really seize control. And because they're the Chargers, they didn't. Um, But the expectation for this Dolphins team now isn't just to beat the Chargers. It's not just to win the games that you're supposed to win. It's now to take the next step and be a playoff team. And, you know, when you get to be a playoff team, you're going to have to play other teams that are in playoff contention and you're going to have to beat them. And I know that the Dolphins have done that the last couple of weeks by beating the Rams and the and the Cardinals. But going down the stretch, as we get closer to December and January, for this team to get where they're going to need to be, they're going to need to beat good teams, especially when you look at that schedule in December. And they're going to need to be sharp and not, you know, not not hurt themselves, which... You know, we said that's what they pride themselves on, but they did a little bit of hurting themselves. They just got kind of lucky that the Chargers didn't take advantage of it. Yep, that's that's exactly what happened. And we, we've said that a few times already on this show uh, tonight. So, hey, it is, it is what it is. This is a team trending upwards. And, you know, part of 
trending upwards is doing the things you need to do to win the games. And that's what they did. That's what they did. And that takes us to our ugly. And, uh, you know, there again, there was not a lot of ugly. There was not a lot of ugly in this game. I mean, it, it was a pretty easy answer for us. And I think the answer is Ted Karras today. And and to his credit, he, he came out and he sort of owned it. And he had a, he had a lot of respect for to obviously the the big the big game he had a couple of bad snaps one two turned into a, a, a fantastic play and another one turned into a big costly turnover that went from the Dolphins having an opportunity to go up twenty one nothing to uh, the Chargers getting themselves right back into the game at fourteen to seven um, on a short field after the the bad turnover but. He, you know, uh, it was, that's, it was, man, that was, a, it really felt like, and you know, and there is, there was a time where that would have been a backbreaking turnover that changed the game entirely. And the Dolphins would have spiraled from there and never been able to make their way back. There was a time where that absolutely would have been the case. However, in this particular game, the Dolphins Bounced back. And part of the bounce back was the heart of Tua Tungavailoa chasing a man down and making a tackle. I mean, and now listen, I'm sure like most Dolphin fans, your hearts were in your throat watching Tua clinging on for dear life, trying to tackle this guy. And you're like, oh my God, please don't hurt yourself. But what, what incredible heart and soul shown by Tua Tungavailoa to chase that man down and go in there and make that play and slowed him down. If it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for the fact that Tua slows him down, I don't know that the Dolphins end up keeping him out of the end zone there. Ends up not, you know, mattering that much because the Chargers go in and score a touchdown a few plays later. But that was a really encouraging moment to see Tua, you know, really busting it to make that big play. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, listen, this is, Ted Karras is kind of known for these kind of inconsistencies when it comes to snapping the ball and, you know, occasionally having issues with it. It was an occasionally an issue when he was uh, with New England. But, you know, in this case, it had the possibility of really turning this game around. But the Dolphins are a strong enough willed team and a well-coached team now. So they were able to turn it around and bounce back. And, and thank goodness for that. Right, Brain? Yeah, absolutely. And it's the sign of a good team that you can bounce back from adversity and that you have, you know, sort of a short memory. And like these little things, they're not so little. They, these are, there are a lot of things that kind of, they don't show up in the stat sheet. They don't show up in the box score, uh, when you look at, you know, statistically, but, these are the traits that winning teams have and the Dolphins are showing all of those winning traits. And that's such a good sign because, you know, we've seen this before, you know, in Adam Gase's first year, the Dolphins won a lot of close football games. And we said, oh, you know, are they getting lucky or is this part of who they are? And, you know, people tried to make that argument one way or another and, it didn't really translate the next season, uh, or the, or the season after that, or the season after that. Uh, it just became, you know, a fl- you, at the end, you looked at it and you said, okay, it was probably a bit of a fluke. And then you look back at, you know, the Sperano era, uh, and you saw like, 
you know, that first year under Sperano where Chad Pennington was there and the Dolphins had like an all-time record for fewest giveaways in a season. And you say, well, you know, this is the culture of the team. This is what they're doing. But it turned out to be, you know, short-lived. It didn't really translate into the next year. But the things that we're seeing from this Dolphins team we kind of saw it last year in the second half of the season. Obviously, coming out of the gate last year was awful. I mean, this team was getting blown out of the water every single week. But they won five of their last nine games last year, despite being typically overmatched. Because they were winning in the margins. They were doing all of the little things well. And... The reason that they're six and three, which means that they are now, you know, Brian Flores and this Dolphins team has now gone, uh, 11 and seven in their last 18 games. It's because they're doing those same little things. And it's not a coincidence that when you listen to Brian Flores talk, he's constantly preaching and harping on doing the little things, the attention to detail. It's showing up. It's not just lip service. It's part of who this Dolphins team is. And that is a trait of a winning football team. And that's why they're six and three. And that's why you've got to feel pretty good about this team going forward, not just this season, but as they continue to add talent to this roster. And don't forget that this is a very young football team. It's going to get better just with the talent that's on the roster just improving, uh, it, it is very exciting to think about that they're not just going to build talent, but they're going to be a talented team that's also well-disciplined and has winning traits. And that's and that's what you need. That is what you need to win in this league. It's not just about having a lot of talent because there are a lot of talented teams out there at this level, but it's the ability to take that talent and harness it and use it in a way that is smart, that is game planning in a way that you're matching up well with your opponents and that you're also not beating yourself because that's something that so many teams in this league do, which is just they get in their own way. And we've seen so many Dolphins teams over the years that have had that problem where they just cannot seem to get out of their own way. And it is really, it's a kind of a strange feeling to see a Dolphins team that is that just seems to be coached in a way that they've got it together that is playing in a way that makes you confident in them it has been a long time since I would go into certain games feeling very confident about the Dolphins coming out victorious not just about uh, that they're going to go in and and you know play okay, but that honestly that, that at the end of the day they're going to come out with a win, and that is something that you know I, I I'm starting to feel. And granted, you know they're up against not this is probably the weakest part of the schedule that the Dolphins are in right now, but it feels good to to know that the Dolphin to feel good enough about the Dolphins that I can say I, I feel pretty confident that we're going to go and do a good job through this stretch. And that's one of the things that I think is going to be really interesting to keep an eye on, lest any Dolphins fan get bored with the fact that their team is playing too well. Um, But, you know, we have seen the Dolphins slip up at times in the past. And I think it's probably something that could be anticipated that there may be a slip up coming. But if there's not, 
that's fantastic. And another thing is, if there is a slip up, but that the Dolphins can do enough to recover and still get the win, that's another thing. Like you saw, I don't know if you know the Packers had that this week. They they played a pretty poor game against Jacksonville, but ultimately because they're a good team with a lot of talent and they're well coached, they did enough to win the game. And so, is that something that we might see from the Dolphins at some point in the future? I think maybe. Listen, Brian Flores has got to be firmly in the conversation for head coach of the year in the National Football League with with the job that he's doing with this team. Because I mean, you you take a look at you take a look at just Justin Herbert and Tua, which that was the storyline coming into this week was that it was this battle of these two top t- you know these two rookie quarterbacks taking five and six in the draft and. You know, it ended up not being a showcase of those of either guy. Um, we the, sure each quarterback sort of had moments in this game, but it largely ended up not being a story about those two quarterbacks. It really was a story about the Dolphins being kind of a pretty well-rounded team and using the fact that their defense and special teams are much. Uh, are, are much better units than what their offense is right now, that those two things are combining and the Dolphins are able to get their wins by by the result of their defense and special teams playing really well. And so it's, it's a pretty exciting time to be a Dolphin fan right now. I said it before and I'm going to say it again. I don't think that these are the same old Dolphins. They don't seem to be. All of the evidence that we're looking at at this point is that these are not the same old Dolphins. Doesn't mean that there's not going to be some same old Dolphin stuff coming our way later this season. But thus far, these are not the same old Dolphins. So, Brain, I'm feeling good. It seems like you're feeling good. Any last words for the people before we uh, wrap this one up here this week? I mean, this is the the way this team is playing and the way the schedule is laid out in front of them. We're going to be favored in the next three games. And, and frankly, of the next three, this next one, and we'll get to Denver later this week, this next one is probably the scariest one. And it's not that scary. I mean, the Dolphins are looking right down the barrel at a nine and three record heading into the home stretch of the season, which is just crazy to me. <laughs> I thought that they, this team would be hitting their stride right around this time, but uh, after a slow start, but I did not see them at any point, uh, you know, threatening to be a nine and three team. Uh, and that's, I mean, that, that's what, but, but you know what else is crazy? The fact that the Dolphins are six and three right now. And yes, if the season ended today, we'd be in the playoffs. The Dolphins right now have the, I believe it's the fifth best point margin in the league. But the Dolphins, all it takes is one slip up and they're out of the playoffs right now because the AFC right now has nine teams, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams in the AFC that have at least that have a record of six and three or better. And the Dolphins are one of one, two, three, four, five, six, six and three teams, uh, who are still behind uh Pittsburgh, Kansas City and Buffalo. So they as as exciting as it is and as much as I believe this is a playoff team, the Dolphins are simply one slip up away 
from not being a playoff team. So that's just, that's how razor thin the margin is, even with that extra playoff spot this year. And that's why it's so important that the Dolphins take care of business over these next few weeks and win the games that they're supposed to win. So that when we get down to the end of the season and you've got to play Kansas City, New England, Buffalo, and the, and the Raiders, uh, that, you know, maybe if you split two and two, you're, you're guaranteeing your spot in the playoffs. Because if you go in at eight and four, I don't know if 10 wins is going to make it even, even with the seven playoff teams this year. Yeah. I mean, the thing that, you know, a, a couple of the teams in front of them, the Colts and Titans have to play each other again. Uh, the Bills still have to play the Chiefs. Uh, I, I believe the Bills still have to play the Chiefs. Uh, I might be wrong about that. No, yeah, I guess the Dolphins still have to play the Chiefs. Dolphins still have to play the Chiefs, but the Bills, you know, Bills still have a game against the Chargers. They still, they have, the Bills have to play Pittsburgh, which is different. Uh, and then that Week 17 Dolphins Bills game, whoo boy, there's a lot riding on that one right now. Uh, and don't sleep on the Patriots. I'm telling and you, don't sleep on the Patriots. Many people. I told you last mistake. week when they beat the when they beat the Jets, and everybody's like, ah, well, it was the Jets, and they it was a close game. Well, look, they just beat Baltimore. This team, look, if if you come down to the home stretch and the Patriots are just a game out, I'm telling you. Don't sleep on the Patriots. They're not done until they're done. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, many people have made the mistake of writing an obituary for the Patriots before it was time. And, you know, they're they're going to hang around and they're going to be there. You know, they've got a they've got a little soft little schedule coming up here as well. So, you know, anything is possible. But from a Dolphins perspective, you just got to focus on doing your thing. Let's win these. Let's win this next game coming up against Denver. Let's win that game against the Jets, and let's beat the Bengals. And if the Dolphins can find themselves at nine and three with four games to go, you're going to feel pretty good about it. You're going to feel pretty good about it. And then you're also going to be looking at a situation where you're almost definitely looking at some primetime games down the stretch, which is something that I know a lot of Miami Dolphin fans are itching for. So we'll see. Um, that's going to wrap us up for this review episode. Your Dolphins are 6-3, and three, half a game out of first place in the AFC East, sitting in a playoff position right now. If the season ended today, they'd be making a trip up to Buffalo to take on the Buffalo Bills. And they already are making a trip up in Week 17. They might just stay there for two weeks. Who knows? Um, anyway, that's, that's if the season ended today. Like we said, there's a long way to go. If you haven't done so already... Uh, Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Amplified to Rock, at Aaron the Brain, at Same Old Dolphins. Subscribe to the Same Old Dolphin Show on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere you can get podcasts. If there's somewhere that you would like to get podcasts where you can't find us, well, uh, you know, tell us where that is, and we'll try to do something about it. And we'll we'll see if we can't, uh, we'll see if we can't, uh, you know. Put ourselves on that platform. And of course, Facebook.com slash Sam Dolphins. Visit DolphinsTalk.com each and every day for all the latest Miami Dolphins news and information. And as always, take care of yourselves and each other. We will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Miami's got the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from the